Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. Welcome to Living Water Community Church. My name is Pastor Rick. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. It's an exciting day today. We're going to have at the end of the service a baby dedication. So stay tuned. Don't, don't, don't run off. But first we get through our message. We've been in a series that we've been calling, help me out somebody, shadow boxing, shadow boxing, based on 1 Corinthians 9.26, where the apostle Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Another translation says, I'm not just aimlessly beating the air, okay? He goes on to saying, the next verse, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to, after preaching to the others, I myself might be disqualified. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the victory in my life. And guess what? So should we. Amen? Amen. Especially over the things that we might find ourselves what I call shadow boxing with. Those things that are seen as well as those things that are unseen. Whether it's addictions, as we talked about first, or the trauma of a painful past. Or if you're dealing with depression, which affects a lot of people. Jesus, when he stepped on this planet 2,000 years ago, he told us in advance. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Who's the thief? The devil. He says, but he has come. He has come. He says his purpose was to give us a rich and satisfying life. The devil comes to destroy your life, and Jesus has come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Why do people take so long to run to Jesus? Hello? Because all he wants for you is a rich and satisfying life. Now, that video was, I hope, an obvious analogy or illustration illustrating the implications of not sharing our faith with those who are suffering and dying with the effects of sin in their lives. Considering as believers, we have the cure. Amen? And his name is Jesus. His name is is Jesus. But it also introduces our subject for this morning. What do you do if, you're, if you find yourself actually shadow boxing with some kind of sickness or chronic illness in your life? You're struggling with something physical that is attacking your body or your health or the body or the health of someone you love. Now, the good news is that the Bible teaches that God can heal us. Do you believe that? But I promise you, as I've been as a pastor for over 20 years, and I get called to the bedside of people who are sick or in the hospital, and they look up at me and ask me to pray for them, the, the question for, in their minds isn't, can God heal me? But will he? But will he? And so Psalms 103 speaks to that question, obviously from the point of view of someone who has come out on the other side of a trial or a sickness. This is what the psalmist said. He said, Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives 
all my sins and heals all my diseases. And so he obviously had gone through some things, and God revealed himself to him in two ways. It's both a, someone who forgives and someone who heals. Now, it's important to note that as there's probably people here today or people listening online to me that are dealing with or fighting sickness in their body. So what can we learn from this phrase, he, he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases? Well, first of all, someone said that God is a healer. Do you believe that? Amen? We see it in several ways. We see it in his character as seen through the lives of his people, his prophets of the Old Testament, whether it's Elijah or Elijah, the Bible talks about miracles that were happening, leprosy being healed from people, even, even the raising of the dead. The prophet Jeremiah said this in, in, in uh, Jeremiah 17, 14. He said, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. And Moses, who reportedly had a direct word from the Lord, quoted him in Exodus 15, 26. He says, for I am the Lord, God speaking, that does what? I am the Lord that does what? That heals you. So from the very beginning, God has identified himself as a healer, especially in this broken and sin-sick world. We need to know that. So it's in his character. But we also see it when Jesus came along 2,000 years ago. What did Jesus spend a lot of his time doing? The Bible says people with blind eyes, those eyes were open, the deaf ears were open. He healed the lame. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years when she decided to go after Jesus. And just from touching the hem of his garment, the Bible says she got her healing. And when John the Baptist came along, who was the forerunner of Christ, after he got, he got into some, a political situation when he spoke against the, the, the king doing something he shouldn't have been doing, he got, he got thrown in the jail and eventually beheaded. But while he was in jail, he sent word to Jesus. He said, ask him, are you the one or should we expect another? And what did Jesus say? Jesus, in response, said, you tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. He says, and if you don't, don't, don't believe me by what I say, believe me by the works that I do. Amen? And so he, Jesus was a healer. Healing was definitely part of his ministry. But we also saw it as part of the ministry of the, of the early disciples, the, the apostles. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible says, Peter and John encounters a crippled beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful. And he was begging there all his life. He saw Peter and John come up, and he's, and he's begging alms. And what was Peter and John's response? He says, typical preacher, he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And in that very moment, the Bible says the lame man's legs strengthened, and he stood up, and he started uh, jumping and leaping and praising the Lord. We saw that. Now, we see it in the ministry of the early apostles, but we also see it in the promise of eternal life. The last, in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, uh, it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, for her husband. This is John the Revelator, who, who got this revelation or this vision. And then he says, I, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, 
and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And it says this, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, what a glorious day that will be, amen? No more death or mourning or pain or sorrow, especially, especially for those who are experiencing pain right now. The Bible says one day it will be, it's not going to be part of our reality. Our God is a healer. He's in the healing business. Now, having said that, how does he heal? How does God heal us? Well, we've already talked about the first way, and I call it the ultimate victory. I want you to write that down somewhere. He, he heals us, the Bible says, by wiping out the old order of things and taking us home to be with him. He gives us a glorified body. So one day we're not going to be walking around with these, with these bodies that are subject to the fall because of the fall of Adam. We all deal with sickness. Jesus says in this world you will have trouble. And so we deal with that stuff. But in the meantime, we're in, we're in that in-between time. We're not at the end yet. And so we're still on this earth. And sometimes I'm asked, you know, you know Pastor, why does, why does God heal some and not others, right? Why, when you look in the Bible, we said John the Baptist, he, he, he got beheaded, right? But, but Peter was supernaturally released from prison. James went to his grave, but Paul and Silas, after worshiping the Lord, the, the, the jailhouse was open, and they were miraculously delivered. And so a lot of times when people ask that, my honest answer is, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know why some people get healed and some people uh, uh, get delivered and others don't. But I do know this. I, I do know what Jesus told John the Baptist. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. He says, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the person who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, you and I may not understand everything he does or why he allows what he allows or or even at the time we agree, we may not even agree with it, but like, this, but like that old song says, listen to me, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Amen? Trust God's heart. And this is what Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, and we know that God causes, help me out somebody. Help me. Are you with me today? Causes what? Causes everything to work together for what? For the good of those who... Anybody love God in here? Not ashamed to say I love him. Turn to someone and say God's working it out. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. But it goes on to say, and are called according to his, called according to his purpose for them. In other words, you, 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 you got to be following the Lord. Mm, come on, somebody. In verse 29 says, for God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. You want to know what God is doing? He's making you like Jesus. He chose us to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so if he's the firstborn, talking about the first one to come back to life, that means he's not the last one. Amen? Look around you. Believers, we're following Jesus. Amen? We're going to become just like Jesus. So when you can't see his hand, trust his heart and trust that he's a healer and he's a deliverer and he does things in God's time 
and in his way. And sometimes, listen to me, sometimes, sometimes taking us home is an act of mercy because it exemplifies his ultimate healing. At that point, there's no more pain or sorrow or sickness or disease. The former things are all passed away. We will have a glorified body. Now, the other way he, the other ways he heals, I want you to write this down, is God heals naturally. Naturally. If I ask you, everyone in this room, have you ever experienced a healing from God? Raise your hand if you've experienced a healing from God. So look around. You see several hands, but the truth of the matter is everyone in here has experienced a healing from God because God put it in the natural order of, of, of everyone's body. That's the truth. Have you ever cut your finger? Well, God created your body so that when that finger gets cut, what happens? It starts to clot and it starts to heal. You ever break a bone? What do they do? They don't do anything miraculous. What they do is they just set the bone back in place and they allow the healing process that God already put there to take place. And oftentimes when that bone fuses back together, that point is stronger than it was before it got broken. Come on, somebody. And so that's called, that's the natural healing process of God in your life. God built it into our bodies as a natural healing principles. And most doctors would say they just cooperate with the natural healing process that, that's there. So he heals naturally, but he also heals spiritually. Listen to me. Sometimes when we get right in our heart and in our spirit, it can and will affect our bodies. Now, what are you saying, Pastor Rick? Is sickness a part of, as a result of sin? Well, the Bible doesn't say that all sickness is a result of sin, uh, but some of it is. But he did point out that not all of it is. Remember in, in, chapter, in John chapter 9 when, when he was speaking to his disciples and they came across this man who was born blind from his birth and he was in his 40s and, and, and Jesus was about to do a miracle in, his, in this man's life and the disciples turned and said, he was, he, he was on the side of the road, he was begging and the disciples turned to Jesus and said, and said uh, who sinned, this man or his, or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus' response was, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born this way because God's power was going to be displayed in his life. And so in the Jewish custom, they all thought that if something bad happened to you, it was a result of somebody sinning in your life. And Jesus blew that out of the water. No, sometimes you, things are bad are happening just because we're in this world and we're in a, in a fallen world or God's about to do something in your life. Amen. Now, having said that, sometimes there is a connection between sin and sickness. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. This is what the message, the message Bible puts it. It says, anyone who eats, speaking about communion, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like, is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in a holy awe. If you give no thought... Or worse, you don't even care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink. You're running the risk of serious consequences. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about that time of communion when, when, when the scriptures, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that was given for you. This is the blood of the covenant. Uh, he's talking about coming to that table in, in, a, in a certain way. He says, he goes on, that he, he warns that there's a risk of serious consequences. That's why he says, so many of you, even now, are listless and sick. 
and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face a fiery confrontation later, a fiery confrontation. So my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and cautious with one another. If you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. But, but by no means risk turning this meal into an eating and drinking binge or family squabble. It is a spiritual meal, a love feast. The other things you asked about, I'll respond to in person when I make my next visit. So what is Paul referring to? He, he was saying the reason some of them were sick, listless, and even dying is because they weren't right spiritually. In other words, they were treating the gathering together of the Lord's Supper, as far as they were concerned, it was party time. They would, it, would, it was a free-for-all. The early church used to get, all get together, and they were going to partake in the Lord's Supper, and they'd all bring their meals, and, they, and they'd start eating, and some people wouldn't have, and then people were getting drunk. You know how some people say, I wish, I wish things were like the, the early church? Be careful when you ask that, <laughs> because the early church was doing some strange stuff that the Apostle Paul had to deal with in his, in his letters. And he says, as a result of you guys coming to the Lord's table so irreverently, he it says it's bringing a curse on you because you're not acknowledging the, the body and the blood of Jesus. And now some of you are getting listless. Some of you are getting sick. Some of you are even going to an early grave because you're not rightly dividing what's going on in your heart. So biblically, there's a connection between sin and sickness. Jesus would tell Jesus will tell some if you go through the scriptures, he, he will deliver some from demons or, or from from some chronic illness, and then he'll turn to them and he say, Go and sin no more, lest something worse comes on you. Come on, somebody. So there is a connection there. Now, in fact, some of the most dominant illnesses in America today has to do with, I don't know, stress, anxiety, pressure. Some are caused by hanging on to secrets and carrying around shame and people burdened down with guilt. And when you get right with God and you turn that stuff over to, to the Lord and you get right with men, a lot of those problems will start to lift. And so sometimes spiritually is, is what's going on in your life. There's something spiritual taking place in terms of an illness. Now, God also heals through gifted people. Like I said last week, that, that God gifts people with talents and abilities to heal, like doctors and nurses and people in the medical field. And the best doctors will tell you that they just, again, participate in the healing process. But the Bible also says that God gives some people to heal, listen to me, in the body of Christ, like the apostle Paul and, and Peter and others. And, and I honestly believe that I've seen it happen in, in, our, in our own ministry uh, over the years. I've seen miraculous things. I'll talk about it, but Miraculous things take place. But you have to use discernment because not all that glitters is gold. If you're flipping through the channels on late night TV and someone comes on and he, he's holding up, you know, some, some water from, you know, some spring somewhere or some cloth or some, I call it snake oil. And he says, if you, if you just give us, you know, a thousand dollars and we'll turn that in and we'll give you this little thing back and we're guaranteeing a healing for you. How many know that God doesn't charge for healings? Come on, somebody. He just doesn't do it. And so if you got somebody who's attaching a price tag to a healing, keep flipping the channels. It's a snake oil salesman, 
and he's not the Lord. He's just trying to profit off the things of the God or people's desperation. I don't care if he's using the name of Jesus. Keep flipping. But having said that, God does heal by supernatural means, which, which cannot be explained medically or naturally. They'll try sometimes, but God just does it. One of our cases, we got Silvio in the house today. Look at Silvio, wave, wave at everybody. Years ago, Silvio was having issues in his body. Uh, what was it? The liver was failing. And he was going through a really difficult time. And Miss Diane, Miss Diane, he's, uh, Silvio's got a bulldog of a spiritual wife. She hangs on. She, starts, she got everybody praying for him. And, and, you know, and we're one of those people that says, Lord, you can, if you heal supernaturally, that's great. If you want to heal through doctors, that's great too. And we started praying for Silvio. He was ended up in the hospital. He, he, he wasn't looking that good. Because so the liver or the kidney was failing. One of the two was failing. And we were believing God for healing. Now, what happened? He, they finally got him on a transplant list. But when he went on the transplant list, all of a sudden, these bumps started showing up on his neck. At, what was it, 21, 21 bumps? Or, and they biopsied the, each one of these bumps, and it came up cancer. And they took him off the list. They were like, why, why should I give a, 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 someone with cancer a new liver? They took him off the list. So Diane, she didn't back down. Some people would just throw up their hands at that moment. And she says, no, we're going to pray even more. And we started praying even more for Silvio. And a few weeks later, all those bumps went away. And so she went to call, she went to call the doctor and says, we, we need to check him again. No, ma'am, we, we already did the check. She insisted, like a dog on a bone, check my husband again. So they went in, they checked, completely cancer-free. Come on, somebody. Complete. Now, this is what they said. <laughs> they told her, they told her, uh, we must have got it wrong. We must. 21 times you, you got it wrong? We must have attached it to the wrong. They, they had no idea because they can't figure out the fact that sometimes God heals supernaturally. Now, so he went back on the transplant list. <laughs> he got his, 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 his uh, kidney. And years later, he's here, still here today to God be the glory. Now, 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 listen to me. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why God didn't just give him a new kidney at the same time. But God does what God does. Amen? However God wants to do it, we're grateful because he's still with us today. It happened again a few years, a few years ago. I got, I got this phone call in my office. Uh, Pastor Rick, uh, I am so-and-so. I'm the sister of someone who used to come to your church. I said, okay. Do you know who she is? I said, yes, I do. Her name was Moni. Uh, but she hasn't been there in years. Yeah, she's in the hospital and she's dying. Could you go into the hospital and pray for her? Sort of like a, some, some, like a last rite sort of thing. Because, and because she hadn't been here in a while, they were, they were wondering. By the way, can everybody just silence their phones while they're at it, please? Because they haven't been here in a while, they thought I was going to say no. I said, of course I'll go to the hospital. What hospital she's in? So I went to the hospital now. Because they were expecting her to die, the whole family was down. She was supposed to die in just a few days. So I went into, met with the family, says, okay, I went, I went in to see her. She was in ICU by herself. Her hair, her skin was totally, totally like yellow. Her eyes were yellow. Her hair looked like doll hair. 
she was going out. I said, hi, Moni. Hi, Moni. Hi, hi Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for visiting with me. Not, not a problem. I just, how are you doing? I mean, I don't know how she's doing. I said, but I want to pray for you. I laid my hands on her. I prayed for her. And after I was done praying for her, she looked up at me. And she looked right in my eyes. She said, thank you, Pastor Rick. She said, but I, I think I see Jesus in your eyes. I said, Moni, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? She says, yes. I said, Moni, then I see Jesus in your eyes. And she said, thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Thank you for praying with me. When I get better, I'm coming to church. I'm coming back to church. I said, go ahead. When you get better, in Jesus' name, I'll see you back in church. Now, something just went off when she said that. I left the room. I went into the waiting room where the, where the family was. I, I said, listen, before I pray with you, Moni said something. You guys told me she was dying. Oh, yes, she is. She's only got a couple of days. I said, she doesn't know that, does she? No, don't tell her because she's believing God for healing. And she told me when she gets better, she's coming to church. She's, so do not tell her she's not going to live. She said, no, we won't, Pastor. We won't. Okay, so I left. I went home. Next day I came to work. I'm expecting the phone call. One day goes by. Two, two days go by. You know the phone call I'm expecting, right? You know, because sometimes I pray for people I have faith. Sometimes I just do it because God tells me to, okay? And, and, you know, I'm expecting the phone call. Two days go by, no, no answer. Three days go by, no answer. Four days. The fifth day I get the phone call. Okay. All right. Uh, the, uh, my secretary at the time, Michelle, she said, it's such and such on the phone. I'm about, to, I'm about to get the news. This is so-and-so on the phone. Yes, yes, yes. I'm expecting her to say, okay, Moni has passed. Can we set up, you know, whatever we have to do afterwards? This is what she said. Pastor Rick, uh, this is Moni's sister. Do, I have a real strange question. I said, what's that question? She said, do you believe in angels? I said, quite frankly, I do. Why? She said, because the day that you came to pray and you came into the room and told us not to tell Moni she's dying um, and you prayed with us and you left, some lady walked in behind you. She said she was an angel. She said to us, this is not going to be Moni's deathbed. She is going to get better. And she walked out and she left. I said, what? She said, yes. And from that moment on, her numbers turned around. She got better. She, she came to church with her family, her unsafe family. He's <laughs> Listen, you can't make this stuff up. What God did was something supernatural in her life. And she, and she came with us for the next year and a half, two years. Her husband got saved. He started playing the guitar with us on, on, the, on the stage. And, and, and you just don't know what God is going to do. Amen. And so to God be the glory. I've seen supernatural healings in people's lives. Amen? So we know that Jesus was a healer, but that's not all he was, nor was that the main focus of his ministry. Healing was what God used as a sign to tell us who he was and what he'd come to do. Now, what did Jesus come to do? Anybody? What did Jesus come to do? He said it. I've come to seek and save the lost. And so the healings and the deliverance was a sign to people to let them know that he's the real deal. Matter of fact, that's what happened with the person who was born uh, uh, blind. And he, 
and he opened their eyes, and, and they, they said, has anyone ever opened the eyes of someone born blind? Because the people, the church were getting upset because they were giving glory to God because of Jesus. And so these were all signs to point them to who Jesus was. His ultimate goal was the salvation of mankind, and healing was a tool that he used to show us, listen, a preview of things to come. So when he touched eyes and ears and healed the lame and the sick, these were previews of what eventually would be our reality as believers. But like I said, in the meantime, we're in the in-between time. And when the psalmist says he forgives all my sins and heals my diseases, that tells us a couple of things. It tells us that God is a healer, but it also tells us that sickness is real. That sickness is real, and it's part of our reality. Now, but listen to me. Even when you're in pain... God has a plan. Amen? And if you're sick and you have to deal with that reality in your life, listen, I've got seven things that you ought to do as we come to a close. I want you to write this down. If you are sick and dealing with uh, sickness in your body today, this is what I want you to do. First of all, as best you can, take care of your body and spirit. Take care of your body and spirit. In other words, do what you can. I mean, think about it. Why should we not take care of our bodies, eat poorly, smoke cigarettes, don't exercise, and then ask him to make things right? Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. Let me remind you of the theme verse, 1 Corinthians. This is what Paul said. He says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my what? My body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He, he gave us these bodies, and he gave us a brain so that we can take care of our bodies. And when you're taking care of your body, you're also taking care of your spirit because, you're, because the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God is not impressed by big, you see these big cathedrals and all these big things. God doesn't dwell in man-made vessels. You know where God dwells? In vessels he created. And who did he create? Us. And so when we take care of our bodies, we're also taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, if you're doing that and you're still going through sickness, do the second thing. Do, do some self-reflection and confession. Do some self-reflection and confession. In other words, examine yourself. Ask yourself, am I right with the Lord or is there something hidden going on? Listen to me this morning. It's the secret sin that makes you sick. It's the secret sin that makes you sick. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So there's a connection between confession and healing. And then take the third step. The third step is ask God to heal you. Pray for healing. Now, we've already established that not everyone who asks gets, gets the healing. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. When I was in Brazil with the team a few years ago, a few of us went, and, and, and we were going from place to place. We preached the gospel, and at the end, we'd do a, a, a prayer service. There's a, there was a man who came down with, 
with, he was deaf in one ear, and he happened to be in my line. And I said, oh, God, help us out, man. So we laid hands on him. We believed God for it. Next thing I know, he goes down. He stays down there for a while. He gets up, and God opens his ears. Come on, somebody. The place just went wild. Sometimes God will say yes, and sometimes he'll say wait, and sometimes he's not, but it'll be in his time. So my job is not to figure it out. My job, my Bible says to lay hands on the sick, amen, and trust that because I'm not the one healing people anyway. God is the one that does it, amen. So we just call to, to, to do what God has called us to do. Ask him. Psalm 6, 2, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Now listen. If it was good enough for the psalmist to pray and ask, it's good enough for us. And it's a foolish response to go and get all kinds of medical help and not have gone to God first and ask him for help. Does that make sense? No matter what he uses, gifted healers or supernaturally healing comes from him. Number four, ask people to pray for you. Well, Pastor Rick, you don't understand me. I'm a private person. Someone told me that the other day. Are you, are you a, pri a private person or are you prideful? Because it takes humility to say, I need someone to pray for me and to admit something's going on in your life. So I got to humble myself and ask for prayer. James 5.14 says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now listen to me. If you're sick enough to go to the hospital, then you're sick enough to, to call the elders and let them pray for you. Amen? And at the end of the service, we're going to do just that. We're going to give people an opportunity. If you have something that you're dealing with, we're going to give you an opportunity for people just to pray for you. Number five, let other people help you. Let other people help you. Some people take the exact opposite position. I prayed, and that's enough, Pastor Rick. I'm not going anywhere. And, 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 and they think that they're spiritual because they've said a prayer, and I'm not, I'm not going to let anyone help me. That, listen, that's not spiritual. That's stupid. It's not either or. It's both. It's, it's both. Pray and seek God's help, and then find those that God has gifted to heal. Okay. I pray and I'm not going to go to the doctor. No, pray and go to the doctor. <laughs> okay? Pray and, and do, a, do, do the wise thing. All right? Number six, trust God's character and his power. When you pray and ask him to heal you, you, you have to get to a place where you say, okay, I, I trust you. And I can't tell you when or where, only that in his time and in his way, he's gonna, his will is going to be done. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, that he was wounded for our transgressions, speaking of Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, with the stripes upon his back, it says we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so, we want to trust that it's part of God's character and his power. Stand on his word and believe that he's going to move on our behalf. And then the last one is finally this. 
Be grateful. Be grateful. Ephesians 5.20 says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, always give thanks for, help me out somebody, everything to God the Father. Does everything mean everything? Does everything mean good things? It would have to mean good things, right? Everything is everything, right? Does it mean bad things? Everything means everything. It means give thanks in, in all circumstances. It doesn't necessarily mean for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances for everything and, and trust that God is going to work things out. Now, I've seen this in real time. Uh, there was a, a pray, I prayed for uh, a woman who came down with uh, stage four cancer. It was ripping through her body. We had just come back from a mission trip in Jamaica, and then she was stricken with this cancer many years ago. Carol Jernigan, maybe some of you remember her. And I was called to her house because she was on um, hospice at this point. She'd gotten very, very thin, and she'd asked me to bring my guitar to, 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 to play. And as I was at her house ministering to her and playing the songs that, a lot of songs that you hear us sing here today, it would, it just blew my mind because as she became as frail as, um, and she was withering away, as we got into the worship songs, while she was on her deathbed, her hands would go up and she'd start worshiping the Lord. And I'm there playing my guitar and I'm like, oh my goodness. She's literally dying, but in all things, she's giving thanks. And we prayed, but God didn't hear her on this earth. She went on to experience the ultimate healing. Come on, somebody. And so whether God heals you supernaturally here or by his grace takes you home, for the believer, there will be a healing. Amen? Amen. There will be a restoration. For those who don't know the Lord and have not accepted him as their Savior and their Lord, you might as well enjoy this life while you can because this is all you have. And if that's your mindset, you have aimed low because the Bible says we have an eternal spirit that's going to live forever somewhere. Your body is going to fall to the ground, but your spirit is going to live forever somewhere. And Jesus didn't say, I've come just to heal. He says, I've come to seek and save the lost. And that earlier video was talking about the fact that I've got a healing and I see that people around me also are sick with the same sin that I had, do I tell them about it or do I let them go into a crisis eternity? I made a decision a long time ago, even if people get uncomfortable, I'm going to tell you that Jesus is the answer for the world today. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He wants a personal relationship with you. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. And the Bible is very clear. It says, he who has the son has the life, and he who does not have the son does not have the life. And in examining yourself today, ask yourself, do you have Jesus? Have you come to a place where you've acknowledged that you are a sinner and you need a savior? Or are you still thinking, no, I'm not that bad? 
I'm just, I'm just a good person. The scripture says there is none good. Jesus said it. No, not one. Every single one of us, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, we all have sin, and the wages of sin, what we all deserve, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. And it's not talking about a physical death because everybody dies physically should the Lord tarry. It's talking about a spiritual death, eternal separation from the Father. Your spirit will live forever somewhere. And the choice is yours. Whether you accept Christ and in accepting Christ, you accept the forgiveness that's offered through the blood that he shed on the cross 2,000 years ago or reject Christ and in rejecting him, you will stand before God and you will get just what you deserve. Now, in your mind, you think, oh, I'm going to get mansions or whatever. No, he tells us the wages of sin is death, is death. Now, when you compare yourself with other people, a lot of times we'll do that. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. Well, I'm not as bad as Hitler. Hitler's going to probably split hell wide open, and he may have a, you know, a depth down here, and you, you're not as bad. So you're not going to get as bad of a hell experience as him. So you'll be in hell out here. But hell is hell. Who wants to go to hell? <laughs> not me. <laughs> okay. I don't want no place. Hell is a prison. It's forever. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that life to the fullest in this life and the life to come, the ultimate healing. Amen? And so The scripture says we need to be grateful. Ephesians 5.20 says, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, always give thanks for everything to God our Father. Jesus, when he healed the ten lepers, it says only one came back to say thank you. And he asked them, where are the other nine? Only one came back to give thanks. Some of us, listen to me, are not thankful for the healings and the blessings he's already given us. And we're about to celebrate that thing called Thanksgiving, right, where they, they encourage us to give thanks once a year. Well, Ephesians 5.20 says always, always give thanks. Give thanks always. Someone say thank you, Jesus. Thank him for all that he's done for us. Thank him for your healing. Thank him by faith. Even for those, the healings that have not yet come yet, thank him for that by faith. And put your trust completely in him. Does that make sense? And so if you're here today as we come to a close, if you've not yet experienced Christ, because again, Jesus said, what does it matter? What does it matter if you gain the whole world and in the end you lose your soul? So some people are coming, they want the healing from Jesus, but they don't want Jesus. So you'll, so you'll go, you know, you'll get your little healing from whatever it is, but you still split hell wide open? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you get everything you want in this, on this planet, let's say you hit the lottery and you become a millionaire, a billionaire, I want to be a billionaire, what does that song say, so freaking bad, right? And you lose your soul. What does it matter? For what can you give in exchange for your soul? You're all going to stand before God one day and you're going to give an account for your life. And Jesus says, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll wait till I'm old. You don't know if you're going to get old. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. 
today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but you respond and you ask him to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And so as we come to a close this morning, listen, if you've not yet done that, be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer. And also, as we're praying, um, if you have a sickness in your body and you want prayer, to, I'm going to ask Pastor Steve and Ms. Lena to come on up here. They'll, they'll be praying for those who, who want to prayer just for a few minutes. Don't run off because at the very end we're going to be doing the baby dedication. Just give me a few minutes. But I'm going to ask you to bow their heads to close your eyes. It's the most important part. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and calling you, understand that he loves you. He will not force himself on you. You have to say yes to the claims of Christ on your life. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. It, do you have Jesus? That's the most important thing. If you don't, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I humbly bow my heart to you today. And I acknowledge what your word says. That I need a savior. Forgive me for the sin that's in my life. You said all, all of us have gone astray and done our own thing. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Today, I ask you to forgive me and come into my life to come into my heart. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. And thank you that because you live as the first fruit, that I will live as well. In Jesus' name. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.